As always, it is my pleasure that you join me for today's podcast of Second Chance Coaching. My name is Dr. Richard Lewis. If you'd be so kind as to leave me a rating and your feedback, I would very much appreciate it and it will help others like you to optimally discover this podcast wherever you listen to this and your other favorite podcast. As you know, at Second Chance Coaching, we focus on seeing everyday life through the eyes of the returning citizen and highlighting the resiliency of the human spirit. I would love to work with you one-on-one, whether you're a returning citizen or coaching client seeking your second chance, or you're a representative of a business, college, or university seeking to integrate and support returning citizens in your respective organizational and learning environments. Please feel free to contact me via email at richard at secondchancecoaching.com or via Instagram at the Dr. Richard Lewis. Welcome again to another edition of Second Chance Coaching. As always, it is my pleasure to join you in another week of your reentry journey from whichever corner of this wonderful world you're listening from. I'm sorry that uh, I was missing a week last week. Uh, it was just really a crazy week, and I think it kind of ties into what we're going to be talking about today, about um, overachieving and running around and trying to catch up to yourself. And, you know, I want to start off by saying that, you know, right now, Part of what was going on was really a couple of things. Number one, scheduling, running around. There's a lot of things going on at the college as far as, you know, work is concerned. And we're between our short terms. We're halfway through the term. And then um, one of my good friends, you know, that I grew up with uh, who lives in Atlanta, his uh, mother passed away last week. And I wanted to definitely show him a lot of love, show him a lot of concern, and really I just was feeling for him. I could tell you that one of the worst things that I've seen anybody go through in life is when a son loses his mother. You know, I've definitely gone through it. I've seen friends of mine going through it. And now that one of my best friends, he has gone through it, the trio of best friends that we have, all three of us have lost both of our parents. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I'm going to be able to spend some time with him and uh, go see him during his mother's funeral services this week and really just show him a lot of love. Um, that, that, that being on my mind, of course, you know, knowing him for so long, I knew his mother as well. So, so certainly it was hard to, to hear. And I spent a lot of time thinking about um, his mom and thinking about, you know, us growing up and things of that nature. Just gets you to that place where you just start to think about all that kind of stuff and you just kind of get overwhelmed. And then it, it's not that I didn't want to sit there and record with you guys, but before I realized it was like, Oh wow, it's time to record. I just wasn't ready to record. And the other thing is, like I said, going back to the college, we're officially 50% completed with the term, you know, the term, our terms are broken up into three different parts. Well, really four different parts. We have uh, classes that last for all 16 weeks. We have classes that last the first eight weeks, classes that last the last eight weeks, and classes that take place the middle 12 weeks. So right now, we're at the halfway point. Um, we got eight more weeks of instruction and things that we got going on. 
And then we're on Christmas holiday break. I mean, I can't even believe it. <laughs> Can you believe it? In just a short amount of time, we'll be listening to Christmas music again, Christmas carols and things of that nature. I was actually looking at um, even the concert celebration. I love going to, to the Dave Cause holiday, holiday, uh, holiday tour, the, the smooth jazz tour that Dave Cause does most years. And he usually has stops through um, Florida. And he's going to be stopping through Miami, so I'm going to see if I could try to make it out there this year. But um, going back to what we're doing at the college, you know, during these, before we get to that place, during these next eight weeks, and, and in, that, in the midst of those eight weeks, we'll have Thanksgiving, so that'll be a good break, because I'll get to see the family. A lot of the family are coming down here for Thanksgiving. But for us, during the next eight weeks, it'll be a whirlwind of work and school request from extra credit from students, and then even really starting to get ourselves ready and preparing for next semester. There's a, there's a new class that I'm going to be starting to teach next semester, and it looks like we're going to have enough uh, enrollment to teach that class, so I'm excited about that. But during these next eight weeks, you know, so many functions um, of the college, even different departments, no matter which department I talk to that are on their own islands, they have their own level of chaos that takes place. And then all of a sudden, when the break comes, when the holiday break comes, it just gets really, really quiet. Now, it could be hectic, maybe in part because no matter what function of the college we work in, the students need us. They know that during the Christmas break, we're pretty much going to be offline. But in recent years, even during the break, we've had limited services to keep the students supported and uplifted during the holiday break because, you know, the holiday break, the holidays could be tough. You know, I mean, a lot of times the mark of Halloween coming up could be the start of thinking through the fall holiday season, and that could be tough for a lot of people. But I would say in these last eight weeks, I'm already starting to see that there are some students who are putting in more effort, they're working harder, and even sending more aggressive emails about extra credit. But, um, even the students I have in these eight-week classes, the ones that just started, I see they're starting off to be the best they can be, and they seem to be working in, in, in overdrive. And that overdrive is even spreading to me and a lot of my teaching colleagues. One of my colleagues shared with me just today that we, that we were talking about a, a proposal that we want to do to do study abroad. We want to do study abroad in the United Kingdom next year. And we were talking about putting in that application and the things that that entails. And we were talking about how we have so much on our plates, you know, that our schedules have completely like kind of overtaken us. <laughs> and, I, and I told him that's happened to us. And I could speak for myself and I think he could say the same thing. We just have not said no to projects. We have not said no to projects and certainly not said no to any extra pay opportunities. And he was telling me, he said, yeah, we haven't said no to these extra pay opportunities because life is just getting expensive. I, I told him, yeah, I remember, you know, going to Target, you can actually get a, a good amount of things and not really feel like you lost your whole wallet. Those days are over right now. At least that's what's happening right now. But um, between the students and colleagues and myself, we're all getting caught up in and really possibly when you get caught, when you have all this stuff going on, you possibly could get caught up in the unhealthy cycle of overachieving, you know, and, and people say overachieving, how does that happen? I mean, well, 
when you're working hard and you're hitting and you're really hitting the wall and you're going hard in the paint, you know, you could really set yourself up to get into a pattern of overachieving. And when he, when we talked about that and we was, and I was observing what was going on around me, you know, this really made me think of the beginning of my reentry journey when overachieving was really, really present. And it almost made me miss those beginning days of my reentry journey, not because I wanted to relive that or relive on being on the parole, but just relive that. I look back on it now and it just seemed like it was just a simpler time. There was less to handle. And, and of course, I, I remember the love having the love I had with that was present with my mom and my sister and all of us being being together. But why did I why was I thinking that overachieving was ever present in the beginning of my entry journey? re-entry journey and why would be this why would this be and and i was thinking that when you first come home and i and i don't know if i'm unique i don't think i'm unique in this as far as returning citizens who come home like when you first come home there's a lot of energy there's a lot of energy that that you're trying to get out there's a lot of things that you want to do and 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 you're trying to overachieve sometimes you're trying to overachieve to satisfy your probation or parole officer to make sure that they stay off, that, that, that they are happy, stay off your back or whatever the case may be. And even more so, at least, at least in my case, you want to prove to family and friends and loved ones that, that the thing that you're going through right now was indeed a mistake. It, it's an anomaly. This is not who you are. And the comeback, the comeback that you're going to be doing is going to be coming sooner than later. Now, does it mean that being an overachiever is a bad thing. You know, we're saying today to stop being an overachiever. Not necessarily. It's not a bad thing. But I would think that just an unhealthy application of overachieving will certainly be harmful. Now, going back once again, and I think of my initial reentry journey, I wanted to demonstrate safety, security, and reliability to my family, especially to my mother you know, my children, my sister, and of course, as well as my niece, I wanted them to know that, you know, all the things that I was doing was doing towards being, being out, staying out and doing well, and not only surviving, but thriving while I'm out. I wanted them to not worry about me. I wanted them to feel like, you know what, he's doing what it is that he has to do to, 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 to do well. And a lot of that, I said, okay, I'm going to put in that extra effort I'm gonna put in that. I'm gonna burn that midnight oil with whatever I was doing and whatever I had to do at the time, to make sure that they felt okay with where I was, and I felt that even though I was gone for a short amount of time, felt like I had to catch up to myself. I had to catch up to the time in which I missed. So, when I was thinking about this topic about um, overachievement, I, I, you know, I researched online about what. What, you know, what makes one an overachiever? We hear that phrase a lot of times, like, what makes you an overachiever? And the things that I found, there was about eight things that I found about what makes you an overachiever. And I could tell you when I looked at it, all of these signs really, sp really spoke loud and clear to me. Specifically and clearly, it pointed to the behavior of overachiever that was defined in me, especially in those early reentry days. And let me share a couple of them with you. Number one, Number one, here's how you know you're an overachiever. You're, number one, you're only focused on the outcome. When I first got home and I was on parole, the only thing I was thinking of, I want to get to 20 to 2005 and finish parole. That was everything I was doing 
was designed towards that to really get to the end of end of that road and I could truly feel free number two you know you're an overachiever when you're a perfectionist I had to be perfect I wanted to make sure that I was perfect in everything I did that no one that I was beyond reproach I was giving myself no grace and mercy to make mistakes you know I wanted to be the ultimate person to get to hit that shot 10 times out of 10 because I wanted to sit there and prove the doubters wrong and of course the people I love could feel better that yeah you know they don't have to worry about me number three you know you're an overachiever when you often criticize yourself I maybe there's no much difference today but certainly back then I was definitely my harshest critic my hardest critic once again no grace no mercy I had to be bigger stronger faster and than everyone and I had to do it always so if I came up short I was criticizing myself if I came up short I was like what was I doing if I came up short I wasn't being good enough if I came up short I was opening the door to being violated I did not want that to happen and that goes into number four you're an overachiever when you're overly worried about the future and you're always thinking about what if what 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 bad stuff could happen you know, what if I get violated? What if something happens that I'm not particularly happy about? What if this happens? What if that happens? You know, it really, it really could take a toll on you. And number five, you know you're an overachiever if you work beyond your capacity. I had that in first, last out attitude. I wanted to work harder, almost to the point of burning myself out, as a way of making me be feel non-expendable, like like no my 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 family is not going to want to replace me i know that sounds crazy you being replaced but i said i didn't want my family to replace me i didn't want somebody i was dating to replace me you know i didn't i just wanted to be not as non-expendable as possible and then of course that leads us to number six you know you're an overachiever when you prove to when you're prone to emotional outburst there's so many things going on so much pressure that's taking place it leaves you vulnerable even now like when i was talking to my my teaching colleague about all the things that we have on our plate I see myself you know when the when the students are you know they're trying to push the envelope a little bit I see myself I'll get a little testy with them and maybe not testy to the point that they deserved it but but they but they it didn't take long to get to that surface to pluck my nerve and then my reaction was a little was a little emotional number seven you know you're an overachiever when you tend to do everything at once you know, you want to demonstrate you could walk, chew gum, and balance life all at the same time. That's what you definitely—you're definitely an overachiever when you sit there and tend to do that. And then the last thing, you know, you're an overachiever when you're motivated by your fear. I have a friend of mine that always talks about, "Oh, well, I don't want to make decisions out of fear," but you know, none of us do. At least I know I don't. But I was being an overachiever because I'm motivated by fear. I'm—I was fearing to fail. Fearing to disappoint my mother, fearing to disappoint my children. I didn't want them to not be proud of me. Fearing to disappoint my sister and my niece. Fearing to disappoint my family. Fearing to sit there and tell the haters, I told you so, that's who Richard is. I was afraid of that. And I was always motivated by that. And then later on in my reentry journey, I could say that I think I might have mentioned there was at one point that I was dating someone that was working on their doctorate at the same time that I was, that I was getting my doctorate. 
No, no. She was getting her doctorate. I wasn't getting my doctorate. I got my doctorate much later on. But she was getting her doctorate, and she was busy. And I wasn't as busy in my career as I am now. And I felt like to just compete, I just had to sit there and pretend like I was busy, be more of an overachiever, act like an overachiever, and put a lot of energy into different things. So the so as she is moving up and becoming and having a doctor, then I could feel like I was a worthy partner because I didn't feel like getting a doctor was going to be something I was going to do at that particular point in time. And as I, as I was thinking about, and as I think going through, like I said, these last eight weeks about overachieving, about doing a lot of different things to try to make sure that you're, that you're getting the job done and not only getting the job done, but you want to be recognized that you're doing the, getting the job done in excellence is that, you know, the, the, the unhealthy dynamic of overachieving really could be harmful. So you have to kind of notice those signs when you're being an overachiever and then also take a look and say, is this overachievement, you know, being a little, being a little hard, you know, to make, you know, am I, is it an unhealthy balance that I'm striking to try to do well and try to prove things to myself and try to prove things to others. And, and I think that when I was in that relationship, I was like, well, I want to prove that I'm busy. I want to prove that I'm worthy. I want to prove that I'm worth something. I want to prove that all my time is not dedicated to her or my spare time. I wanted to make sure that I was somewhat unavailable as there were times that she was unavailable. I was like, no, I want to make sure that, you know, if I'm doing a lot of different things, she could say, okay, well, Richard's worth something. He's busy. But um, when you think about also overachieving, how do you stop being an over, how do you stop being an overachiever? Not so much, not so much like you don't want to sit there and hustle and, and, and take it to the house and do well and all the things that I talked about, but how do you want to make sure that you're, you're stopping, you're, you stop being an overachiever while trying to really achieve a healthy balance of what's going on in your life. And, and there are three things, you know, I want you to think about as far as to make sure that, you know, when you're feeling anxious, you feel like you're really driving and being an overachiever and you're saying, okay, how do I consider a healthy social, mental, emotional balance and things of that nature? And the literature tells us there are three things that one should do. Number one, consider your goals. You know, when you start setting your goals, you know, when we're going through the perfectionist stage and all that stuff, ask ourselves, why is each of these goals important? Is it something I care about? How will I feel when I'm done with it? Is it a realistic goal? All these things that those are things that you want to consider. Number two, engage in self-care. If you're going to work hard, play hard or relax hard, take frequent breaks, reward yourself, do something each day that'll boost your well-being, exercise, go to the beach, do something. Some of that makes you say, okay, you know what? This is a, this is a good look and this is helping me out a, a whole lot. And the last but not least, the thing that, that really speaks to my soul as far as achieving that balance is to reconnect with your loved ones. I, I, I called my sister the other day because there was a lot of different things that were going on. And then I was trying to sit there and set up when she comes for Thanksgiving that we'll do a family picture and all that other stuff. And I was going to text her. And I was like, ah, I won't text her. I'll give her a call while she's at work. My sister picks up the phone right away. And she says, oh, I, I thought something was wrong. So the first thing I said to her was, hey, everything's good. 
I'm not in, I'm not in a bad place. We're good. I was just calling you about this, that, and the third. And it wasn't necessarily that I had to speak to her, but I just wanted to reconnect with her. I wanted to hear her voice. I wanted to see hear how she was doing. I wanted her to hear my voice. I wanted her to feel uplifted if there was something going on in that regard. I wanted to maintain and solidify and sustain our healthy and solid social connection, you know, and I wanted to make that time to let her know that she, you know, even though I wasn't, I didn't tell her that in the phone call, I wanted her to let her know that, you know, you were important enough not only to get in contact with, but more than just text, you were important enough for me to call you, to connect with you, and to really hear how you were doing, and and that was just such a great part of my day. Well, that that's pretty much it for this week, but listen, remember, if you're going to be an overachiever, be an overachiever, but have a healthy balance in it and, and understand where you're coming up as far as being an overachiever and what do you have to do to uh, uh, achieve that healthy balance. I'm uh, going to be heading on a plane this weekend and uh, seeing my seeing my good friend. Uh, the three of us are going to get together and really, you know, cry with him, you know, for, for the death of his mom, um, uplift him to think about the happy memories of his mom. Love on him, hug him, make sure that he's okay. At least make sure that he's a little better as he goes through this initial journey of being used to um, what life will be like without his mother. So one thing for sure I want him to feel is that love because when the Nandi died, my brothers were there. When my mother died, my brothers were there. And I want him to know that we, as his brothers, we're there for him too. And we're here for you as well. You know, sorry that I missed that week, but we won't. But we won't be gone long. We we won't be taking those breaks. You know, uh, we won't be taking those breaks again. Anyway, thank you so much for everything that you guys do. Thank you for joining us again for another sec for another week of Second Chance Coaching. Continue to sit there and do well, be well, take care of yourself, and we'll catch up again next week. Thank you again for joining us here at Second Chance Coaching. In addition to coaching services for individuals and businesses, I'm also available for speaking engagements and workshops on criminal justice reentry, human resources, as well as organizational culture and leadership. Feel free to email me at richard at secondchancecoaching.com, as well as connect with me on Instagram at the Dr. Richard Lewis. Remember, every day you are given this opportunity for your second chance, and I know you'll make the best of it. I love you all, and I look forward to connecting with you next time here at Second Chance Coaching.